Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of RNFM Radio. This is episode 112, and we're hanging out on the pulse of nursing. This is the leading platform for nurses, and we're thrilled to have you tune in for the latest news, trends, and hot topics with the leaders and thought provokers in our industry. I'm Kevin Ross, hanging out here on RNFM Radio, and also my co-host, Keith Carlson. He's here with me as well. Keith, how are you today, sir? Hey, Kevin, I'm doing great. Good to see you. It's a beautiful day here, as almost always, and I know it's beautiful up there in Boulder, too. We're excited to have today's guest. We have a lot to talk about in terms of personal and professional reinvention. So I'm very excited about that particular topic myself. So, Kev, why don't you give the usual rundown on how to get in touch and stay in touch, and I'll introduce our guest, and we will get started. Well, of course, we're always hanging out on rnfmradio.com. That's where our platform is. And, of course, we are also on every social media platform that you can imagine. You think of it, that's where we are. And guess what? We're hanging out under the hashtag rnfmradio. So if you hit us up, hashtag rnfmradio, we'll know it, we'll see it, and we will certainly engage and get back to you right there on all of our social media platforms. We're also there on YouTube. Some of our shows are on YouTube. We're on Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and iTunes. Now, I've gotten a lot of recent emails lately about when the mobile apps are coming out. Guess what? They are on their way, so they are just being produced as we speak, and hopefully I will be able to announce those at our upcoming shows at least within the next week or so, so stay tuned for that. And, of course, you can call us and leave us a voicemail or text us at 720-466-3022. And, again, hit us up here at rnfmradio.com. If you're listening to the show, it's likely that you are hanging out on rnfmradio.com. So, as always, I'm going to hand the mic back to Keith so he can bring in our wonderful guest today. Great, Kevin. Thank you. And I just wanted to send out a thanks to our friends over at ProMed Network at promednetwork.com slash Radio. They are kind enough to host our podcast. Want to make sure we give a shout out to our friends there and Jamie, our pal at promednetwork.com. All right. So Diane Dennis is our guest today. She is a multimedia personality, having produced and hosted three broadcast radio shows, hosted a pilot for TV, a frequent guest on the ABC affiliate KATU's AM Northwest, a columnist for local and regional newspapers, and an author and PR consultant. She's endured, survived, and triumphed over enough life adversities that she's known by her friends as the comeback kid. She was featured along with 59 other women in the book It Ain't Over Till It's Over by the famous Marlo Thomas. The author, Marlo Thomas, interviewed women who overcame adversity by reinventing themselves. Diane has a degree in nursing, a certification in training and development. She's certified as a life strategies coach, and she holds a certification in TED, the empowerment dynamic. She specializes in assisting individuals and organizations through life transition to develop communication skills, and she teaches groups a vision orientation model of goal setting for sustainable outcomes. Her new book coming out soon that we're definitely going to talk about is called Driving Miss Crazy. The book is about Diane overcoming a difficult divorce in her midlife by reinventing herself through the sport of wakeboarding, gaining physical strength, emotional endurance, and developing a spiritual connection to the river. After going back to school, when she found herself alone with an expired nursing license, she went into the field of communications. So, Diane Dennis, welcome to RNFM Radio. Thank you so much. Thank you for that 
fabulous intro. I was wondering, who is that girl? <laughs> well, it sounds like she's driving Miss Crazy a little bit. Um, you've done <laughs> so many amazing things, Diane. Kevin and I don't really know where to start. We could just trip over ourselves trying to figure out what to do first. But since most of our listeners, probably 99% are nurses, why don't you tell us a little bit about your nursing pedigree and what that aspect of your career was like? Oh, absolutely. Well, I went, you know, we all, I think we all go into certain fields, career fields based on me. Um, well, a lot of times our personality types and, and just, you know, what we're all about, we kind of find, hopefully find careers that kind of match up who we are inside. And I grew up in a very dysfunctional family and was, I, I felt myself to be a kind of a caretaker or caregiver and not really officially, but it just seems like the adults around me didn't uh, quite know how to deal. So I, <laughs> in my little way, thought I was always stepping up to the plate. And so going into nursing was just a perfect segue to that because caring for others was natural for me. And I was um, loved biology and the human body is fascinating. And, you know, the human touch and caring for other people was just the perfect fit for me. So I did that and I did I worked as a nurse for many years. I went was in uh, so many different fields. Um, I specialized in cardiology and uh, then we would float into coronary care unit, CCU, ICU, and then I became a home health nurse, which was, I think, probably my favorite favorite job because home health nurses are treated with such um, respect and, and sense of importance because we're out in the field being the eyes and ears of the doctor for the doctors and oftentimes diagnosing or, and or discovering uh, serious problems with nothing more than our stethoscope and our, and our training. So that was a thrill for me. And I tried some other things. I was a director of a, an assisted living facility. So I've had a wide and varied career in nursing, definitely. Well, and that wide and varied career in nursing, and I think there are many nurses out there who could probably say the same. And I just wanted to kind of jump in here and ask you, is that variety, does that help others? And I know we're going to dive in a little bit deeper on that, but that type of variety, does that help us sort of rediscover ourselves, you know, as we gain more experience, not just professionally, but personally as that is, you know, is it something that's a stepping stone for us? I, yes, definitely. I think the field of nursing is so underrated. The, thing, the skills that we as nurses develop multitasking, um, creative thinking, um, knowing how to research and find answers quickly, being efficient, and then, of course, having the multiple, even if you don't um, go into different areas of nursing, any area of nursing um, offers so much, so much wide variety for um, for learning, and, and you really, I think, I think as a nurse, you have to, at least for me, I don't know, maybe all nurses would, might, I would, this would be great. This would be a great, great question for nurses out there. For me, I felt like I had to really get to know myself in order to be the best nurse. You know, who, where are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What, you know, might trigger me to be afraid or, or 
um, if I am meek and don't speak up, you know, if I, if I didn't speak up, what does that mean? So I really had to learn to navigate, um, you know, my, my own inner journey to become the best I could be in all of these, you know, we're talking about, you know, as a nurse, you're running into emergencies and, you know, changing it up every, you know, especially like an ER nurse or in critical care and, and even in autonomous positions like home health nurse, um, assisted living, you know, skilled nursing, all of those areas call for immediate responses where you have to be, you have to be on top of your game. That's so true. And you have to be on top of your game doing so many different things. And you have done many things, but we are talking about your nursing career here. So what do you feel the contributions are, Diane, that nursing made to your life in terms of your own, let's say, personal or spiritual growth? You know, what happened for you in that in that course of time? And then we'll get to how you transitioned out of nursing into something brand new. That's a great question question, I think we're really getting to the nut of what this role as a nurse is all about. For me, um, I just became very curious. You know, the first time I um, walked into a room and a patient had passed away, you know, or I was with a person as they were going through the dying process. Um, As we get to know the human body intimately, both emotionally, spiritually, uh, through just, first of all, just through our role as a nurse, um, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, you know, the curiosity about, you know, lifestyle, how do I want to show up in the world? Do I want to be, you know, 65 and have cardiovascular disease or diabetic, you know? So that really helped me to make decisions about my personal lifestyle. And then, Spiritually, you know, when you are watching someone transition from life to death, no matter what your belief was before, it expands on, a, on some very deep levels. And then you appreciate, for me personally, I started appreciating life so much more. So, um, you know, it just, I mean, it's into infinity, I think, the opportunities for personal growth. Um, and spiritual growth when you're in the role of a nurse. I couldn't agree more with you, and I wanted to expand on that and ask you a question, but I, I think I know the answer, but I have multiple roles in several businesses that, I'm, that I own or I'm in partnership with or what have you. But what I wanted to build on is that I think nursing really does kind of push our inner limits and push us a little bit outside of our comfort zones. And I think I feel more comfortable outside of those comfort zones, probably more so than maybe someone who's not a nurse. And I don't want to say it's you have to be, you know, it's only nursing, but I think that nursing really pushes that envelope. It really kind of pushes it, those boundaries for me personally and professionally. And I wonder, do you feel the same way that, that nursing does kind of lay that groundwork so that we can step outside of our comfort zones a little bit more because we are nurses, because I am proud to be a nurse and I am proud to kind of hang out outside of that comfort zone for myself. I agree. I I think that uh, for me, the confidence that I got from doing the things that, you know, I think if if there was a video camera following us around uh, as during our day as a nurse, I think, you know, 
the pay scale would triple. <laughs> it should, because mm-hmm. what we do is pretty amazing. And so I, that, I think, builds a, a certain amount of confidence to say, well, if I can do that, what else can I do? And layering on that, as in, you know, I started out as a nurse before I had a family. So then you become a parent and you find, you discover the infinite depths of love that you had for your patients and you have for your partner, spouse, and family. But for a child, it's another layer, a different kind of, of love and commitment. And so as we journey through life, yes, the role of a nurse is a fabulous foundation um, and can be a launching pad for so many people who you know, find themselves at a place where the daily tasks of nursing um, just feel they start to feel ordinary and I don't mean to, you know, to diminish the greatness of it, but sometimes there's a calling outside of, you know, deep within ourselves to grow and expand in other ways. And sometimes that for me anyway, it took me away from nursing the the role of a nurse, but I still bring all of the skills that I have and everything I do that I gained from that. Well, and Diane, you're, you're in good company here, so I, I know where you're coming from, and I think our listeners do as well. And I just wanted to follow up. So what are you doing to nurture that and, and sort of rekindle that in your life, and how can we do that? Well, for me, I think, I think what, what the, the most fabulous way to do that is to use whatever natural gifts and talents that you have. We all have our own unique gifts. Mine happens to be writing and communicating through writing, and I've dabbled in some other media as well, TV and radio. But writing for me has, is really a, a spiritual experience. So I take what I know as a nurse and I write. As a publicist, I work with a lot of um, health companies and practitioners. And so I am able to use my creative writing, which is a gift not only to me but now to others, in assisting them grow their business and get their messages out in a way that really honors who they are. So I think whatever your talent is to bring your great experiences from nursing and see if maybe, you know, there's a nurse out there that has fabulous organizational skills. And, you know, there, there comes a time, too, where sometimes the role of a nurse, unless you keep working up into administration or getting further degrees, um, you know, it's hard work, floor, floor nursing. And, you know, so, you know, as we age and, and um, maybe look, want different, a different lifestyle, then if you're, you know, take organization. If you're, you just happen to be really good at organizing and you're a nurse, what can you put, how can you put those two skill sets together to do something that can be challenging, creative, and interesting? Skill sets. You're, you're speaking our language because there are so many skill sets that nurses carry, right? Communication, mm-hmm. caregiving, science, health, health. There's so many things that we have to master or at least know a lot about to do what we need to do as nurses. And it sounds like you've translated a lot of that into your current, um, what should we call it, incarnation, perhaps? Or the, <laughs> or the current... No, it, okay, I'll go with that. Yeah, you know, or you know, Diane 3.0 or whatever you want to call call this (laughs) stage in your life. So in terms of the writing, it sounds like you, you know, you've created a life for yourself as a publicist. So you create 
content. We can talk about that content. We can talk about the book with Marlo Thomas, and we can also talk about driving Miss Crazy. So tell us a little bit about how that writing journey began and what that's been like for you to, to open up that whole part of your life and your work as a professional. Well, I was told in the second grade by a teacher that I was a good writer and that I should keep writing. Well, in the second grade, who follows that advice? <laughs> and then um, I had this belief, and, you know, our limiting beliefs, I should have said our beliefs are can be very limiting, but I just let the cat out of the bag. My limiting belief was you couldn't make a living writing. And so I put that on the back burner and thought, well, someday when I retire – and maybe, you know, there are other things I'm not interested in doing or can't do. All right. Well, uh, there was a time when I, my kids were in school and it was appropriate for, and I was able to stay home and take them to activities in school. So I stopped working as a nurse and I found a lot of time on my hands, you know, how busy we are in our careers. And so when they were in school, I started writing just as a hobby. Well, I realized that the, what I was writing were columns. And they were about family health issues and family issues. And I started submitting them, and I became a columnist. And I absolutely loved it. It was a dream. It was a dream that I didn't even know was possible. It was one of those secret dreams that I wouldn't have even told anyone about because you don't want to tell people your dreams when you're convinced they would never happen. And so um, out of becoming a columnist, um, I became a radio show host because people were asking me to talk out loud about in public forums about the topics I was writing about. And then I was asked to be on local TV. So I, I woke up one day and realized I had built a little cottage industry out of writing, but I was writing about a lot of the things that I knew about as a nurse or that I cared about and was passionate about, um, having the background and knowledge of medicine. And I want to use the word medicine. Oftentimes we just say nursing and people, you know, people, well, what's a nurse? You know, you think of bandages and, you know, but medicine, we are really medical practitioners. And um, so when I started writing about more about that in terms of kids and attention deficit disorder, okay, attention deficit disorder is labeled a medical disorder and it's about kids. So I put together all of the things that I was most passionate about and then built that business and uh, then found myself going through a divorce, which wasn't expected or planned and uh, realized that that wasn't going to create an income for me. So I went back to school, long story short, became a publicist to make a living and I kept writing uh, personally as well. So um, that's the short, long and short of it. Well, Diane, I don't want to dilute everything that you went through during this, I guess, midlife reinvention, but it sounds like you took, I would say, that negative energy, those negative interactions or what was going on in your life, and you reformulated that energy to maybe put your own I guess, kind of button gear to say, you know what, I'm going to make a change and I'm going to make a positive change and I'm going to be a change agent here uh, because this is my life and I'm going to do this differently now. Yeah, and I, the, here, here was the catalyst for that and that, that's why my tagline used to be adversity is an opportunity for growth and I so believe that uh, on a lot of levels. One, one level is we don't 
we don't really change unless we're forced to because we're creatures of habit. And we don't oftentimes change unless something really horrible has happened or very emotional or drama-filled to get our attention on so many levels that we there's a shift that happens. And so, you know, I wasn't just going through a divorce. I was going through my second divorce. I was 50. I was menopausal. My oldest child had gone away to college. So you take all of those identity issues as a woman and my nursing license had expired. And I wasn't sure I wanted to go back to that because I felt like I had was ready for a new a new life that didn't include those that role. And so I kicking my butt in gear was so the truth. I said I'm not going to go down and quietly disappear. So I wanted to get physically fit more so than I was and I took up wakeboarding and that led to a completely new me, a different diet change, different workout routine. I mean, I call myself the accidental athlete. And it was all because I had this pent up, you know, uh, frustration, anger, you know, this is my life at 50. Are you kidding me? <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and I just channeled it into health, a healthy way. That is perfect. You know, Diane, you're talking about what sounds like, I don't mean to use a cliche, but I'll use it anyway. It sounds like it was a perfect storm in your life. It was time. Second divorce, kid going off to college, menopause. It was time to really just give a try to something new. And you just said something. You said you didn't want to go quietly, right? You said you didn't want to just like, is this it? And it's funny, right here by my desk, I have this book by George and Sedina Capanelli. They're two authors and coaches here in Santa Fe. And the book is called Do Not Go Quietly, A Guide to Living Consciously and Aging Wisely for People Who Weren't Born Yesterday. I love it. Yeah. um, You might want to pick up a copy. And, you know, it sounds like that you could have written this book, that you had this identity as a nurse. You realized that that identity, not that it didn't fit anymore, but there was something, there was something going on wherein you had outgrown it and there was something bigger for you. And like you said, not to disparage nurses or say that nursing isn't valuable. It is amazingly, incredibly, extraordinarily valuable, Mm -hmm. but you felt you had other skills to bring to bear. And here you created this life as a publicist, as a writer. So what was it like? Tell us a little bit about the fears or questions that came up for you as this change occurred, because a lot of us can experience a lot of different emotions during a time of life transition. And it wasn't just a life transition. Well, it was a life transition on so many levels. And I think physically, I remember that being a shock because hormone shifts and weight gain and and some of the things that start happening to a lot of women are very um, frightening in terms of thinking, well, this is it, this is it then. And then, you know, it doesn't help that, you know, we're all media savvy enough to, to, to know that even women who are celebrities or movie stars, you know, they, they're sort of put, in a, put on the shelf after a certain age. So we have that belief that our, our shelf life has just expired. And I think the combination of menopausal, which you lose that um, feeling of 
the identity of a, a woman who can, you know, the power of a of womanhood and bringing children into the world. So that so that's a shift. Divorce wasn't my plan. So that, so, you know, it translated to out with the old and with the new, so to speak, even though that wasn't, you know, really the dynamic. But um, so all of those things contributed to making me alarmed in a way, thinking, well, I don't want to go downhill. I want to improve with age. And how do I do that? Because just sitting here thinking about it and doing what I've always been doing isn't going to cut it anymore. So I, I really threw myself into, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to meet this thing head on. So yeah, I'm going to meet aging head on. I'm going to meet a new life that I don't, didn't even know I was going to create head on and make it the best I can. And I made a lot of mistakes, but I did it. (laughs) Well, I know. And I, I think we all have, but we learn from those mistakes. We, we pick ourselves up, we dust ourselves off and we move forward. And I think as nurses, you know, just thinking about your life right now here on this show and then thinking about what nurses are exposed to day after day and really the adversity that it takes to move forward with that as you're exposed to it with other patients, clients, family members. And I think for me personally, that is a motivator for for me to continue my success or to want to be successful again, personally and professionally, I I'm not making judgment on those that I'm serving. But when I see that pretty much from a perspective outside of that circle, I mean, even though I'm in the circle, but I am still sort of outside of that circle, I'm not judging, but I can look and, and see that and learn from it and, and try not to sort of copy that maybe same challenge or issue that they would have in my own life. I wonder why nurses don't often gravitate toward that when they see this repetitive, abusive situation, not only to maybe someone else, but our own bodies, in a sense, because you were talking about the accidental athlete. Well, good grief, you work in a cardiac uh, intensive care unit, and you think, well, my gosh, I got to get out there and start running. I got to like live better. I got to be better. So for me, it was a motivator, but I know that's not always the case. Uh, You know, and I think that's one of the reasons that I didn't, and that sort of flashed in my mind when I was talking a minute ago. One of the reasons going back into nursing, it was a red flag for me because I'm, a, I'm very kinesthetic. I have to be moving and I, I learn through movement. And when I would, would work, do floor work as a nurse, even home, home health, not quite so much, but working in skilled nursing, I was tired at the end of the day. So yeah, you know, I didn't want to hit the gym. You know what I mean? It's ta- it's taxing physically, and it's an it's a mental drain, and you're on for your eight to ten to twelve hours, however long you're working uh, a day. So so I think it's hard to strike a balance with the intensity of being a nurse and being and having a good life balance where you're taking care of yourself. And if you're a natural caregiver, which most nurses go into nursing to become, or because they already are then, you know, the focus is on going home and caring for the family. And the focus is always on others, not self. And, you know, there's a question I wanted to ask you here because it's the perfect segue, Diane. It's that that caregiving role of nurses. You know, we work as caregivers. I've been writing and talking recently about this, this topic of uh, emotional labor 
what it means to have to turn off your own emotions in order to care for the patient. You know, you have to kind of kind of turn that faucet off and turn on your compassion faucet while you're providing care because your issues have to be put to the side while you're caring for your patient and working as a nurse. So does that caregiver archetype work for or against nurses outside of nursing, you know, in their personal life? And how did that happen for you? What did, how did that manifest? Yeah, I think it's both. It works for and against and depending upon, you know, the individual how they're wired, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I grew up in a very codependent family. And so caregiving was an extension of codependency or maybe a side subtext of codependency. So, and I've seen, I used to see nurses do this and raise my eyebrows. And then I look back and I, (laughs) I was the same. I, you know, married men who were dependent, not financially, but that I felt like I had to take care of in some way and manage the house as well, manage the home, family life. So I think, you know, while that personality type works great for us, the archetype of caregiver works great in the field of nursing, outside of nursing, I think we have to develop more multi-dimensions to who we are because there's a payoff for being a caregiver. You get a payoff. People, right. Yeah. And so... I had to, I really, I'm glad you're talking about this because that's one of the biggest things I faced and that's why I became um, certified to teach the empowerment dynamic, which is um, how to get out of, out of the drama triangle. Are you familiar with the drama triangle? No, but feel free to tell us what it is. Okay. Well, most, I found out about it accidentally after enough dysfunctional failed relationships where I was, I was begging a therapist coach to identify what was going on because I didn't, I couldn't see it. And she says, have you heard of the drama triangle? And I go, no. So as she's talking, I'm Googling drama triangle. And it was, there's uh, three um, categories to the drama triangle. And this is every day in everyday life. It happens everywhere, every day. But the medical field is a perfect model for it as well. It's, it's a behavior model. And the drama triangle consists of a, a a victim, a persecutor, and a and a rescuer, and we all we all play one of those roles. Sometimes we play all three. In a relationship, you can ping pong back and forth. In a, think of an argument: you're yelling at somebody, and they feel a victim, and they don't like to feel a victim, so they yell back, and then they just victimized you. <laughs> and the person yelling is the persecutor. So if you look at that, and then you overlay that model onto Walt Disney movies, you know, the victim is the, the the princess being stabbed by the persecutor, the ugly stepmother, and the, or the I mean, the wicked witch, or whatever she was, sorry, the queen, and then uh, being rescued by the by the prince. So our whole life is set up for that model. However, in dysfunctional families, or if we, um, you know, just gravitate too much into that dynamic or into one of those roles, then our life becomes imbalanced. Wow. What a great explanation. Boy, we need to bottle this up and sell it. Well, actually, we're going to podcast it out, so we will be bottling it up. So thank you for that. Absolutely. uh, And feel free to, you know, just Google the drama triangle. And it was created by a PhD in San Francisco. I forget Mm. his name, Carp Carpman. And Mm. he was studying sports. 
and he came up with this uh, dynamic, and all of a sudden he said, wait a minute, this is a personality dynamic. So it was just amazing how it all, how he Mm. identified it. Well, beautiful. And, you know, you were mentioning archetypes earlier, the archetype of the caregiver, etc. And I hope our friend Carol Gino is listening to this recording. If she doesn't listen to it, I'm going to get on her to actually tune in and listen to it soon because she loves archetypes. She loves talking in these metaphoric and archetypal languages. And Mm. so... If you were to label yourself now with an archetype or an archetypal energy that you're running in your life now, having been in that caregiver nursing role, how would you characterize it? Where have you taken yourself to? What's this next iteration of Diane Dennis? Who are you now? What a beautiful question, because it segues right into the antidote for the drama triangle, which is the empowerment dynamic. So instead of falling into those roles of being a rescuer, which is a caregiver, um, and the victim and or the persecutor. Um, the, the new model is become a creator. You're not a victim, you're a creator. So I, I'm not a victim to my life circumstances. I create. And I'm, I don't, you know, I'm a coach when instead of a rescuer. If people need help, I will teach them how to help themselves and that's great for raising kids and a challenger instead of you know persecuting or judging someone for something I have learned to challenge them in ways that is positive and proactive well and I wanted to Mm -hmm. actually build on that and I wanted to say some advice that I give folks especially if you're kind of in those circles where let's say maybe you're in a group where folks might be bringing you down. Maybe you kind of need mm-hmm. to find another group of individuals. Yes, exactly. Because you know, people ask me all the time, when did I know uh, that I wanted to marry my wife? And I don't, my wife doesn't really listen to the show, but I'll of course, uh, you know, let her know that I talked about her today. And I tell people, I realized that she was the one when I discovered, and and at first I was a, I I might have felt slightly insecure about it, but then I felt really good about it. I realized she didn't need me. She wanted to be mm. around me. She loved me and cared about me and for me. And I felt like she was a good partner because I got this sense. And quite frankly, I think she would just tell me point blank, you know, that she didn't need anyone, but she wanted to be with someone. She, you know, wanted to be around me, but there was no real codependence there. And I think Mm. I had discovered that early on in our relationship. And I knew that this was going to be a healthy relationship for me because I also felt the same way. But at the same time, I know men can be a little insecure about that because, you know, we like that the ladies, like we want to feel needed. But I think it's a different perspective. Well, you know, we you, can kinda, do. You, you don't want to take it out of context. But yeah, we all do want to feel needed in some respects, but not that codependence. Yes. Great. Oh, that's that's wonderful. You guys are, um, that is a great foundation. Well, and I just encourage everyone to, not only just in your own relationships, and if you're already in your relationship, well, uh, I know we're not really giving full-blown relationship advice, but again, picking those friends, those colleagues, those individuals that we have choice to be around. Now, sometimes I know at work we might not have too much choice, but again, outside of that, 
we can choose those we want to hang out with and we can flourish in certain environments. And sometimes I just see these individuals sort of repeating that in these circles and they kind of just need to break that circle, get outside of that and maybe get into another one or create another circle. Well, you know, and it takes bravery because once you start to grow and change, you need a new tribe. The old tribe isn't, you know, doesn't fit you anymore. And it can be lonely um, when you're going through life transitions to that level. But it's, it's still, it's exhilarating and, and it's right. Right, exactly. And it's knowing and trusting your gut. It's that intuition that tells you when it's right. Like when you knew intuitively it was time to leave the bedside. It was time to leave nursing. You knew it wasn't time to renew your license. That's a scary thing. You know, there's, there can be fear involved when you're making such a major life transition, when you're actually switching archetypes. You're saying, okay, the caregiver archetype's kind of done. I'm moving on to something more. I'm going to be a manifester. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to generate something new in my life. That's a scary thing. And it also can be scary to let go of relationships, whether it's to a spouse, um, a profession, or say moving from bedside nursing to entrepreneurship. That's scary too, because you are letting go of something that's been part of your identity. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And there's, you know, every opportunity for fear to come in because when you leave the known, you're going to the unknown. It's much easier to be in the known, even if it's terrible, (laughs) it's easier. And I did. I mean, frankly, when I said I made mistakes, there were many, many, many times where I said, I think I made a mistake. I should have gone back to nursing because, you know, as a consultant, income, you know, is, is very up and down and up and down. But, you know, at every, so at every single bend in the road, I had to recommit or change course. And every time I recommitted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we all, it isn't like there's an either or answer. You're going to have many opportunities if you do decide to make some changes in your life whether it's career or whatever, you'll have many opportunities to, if it isn't quite working, just, you know, get on a different path, try it a little differently. So true. So true. And, you know, we definitely want to talk about your writing, my dear. We've talked a little bit about you as a publicist, but there's two books that we really need to make sure we have some time to touch on. Okay, Diane. And the first one is the new Marlo Thomas book. She's the author slash editor of the book, but you are featured in the book. It's called It Ain't Over Till It's Over. And she interviewed women who overcame adversity by reinventing themselves. And lo and behold, Diane Dennis is featured in it. So tell us how that happened. Tell us about the book or anything you want to share in terms of that whole process. Okay. Well, that was a process that took about three years. There was, I um, publicist, I subscribe to reporter services. And these are reporters asking for people to interview because they're writing a book or writing a story or they were doing a TV segment. And I saw one that said that the question was, the request was looking for women over 40 who have taken on some kind of a risky sport to overcome adversity. (laughs) And I said, "Uh, that's me. And so um, the, the, the writer said, well, it's for a magazine. Um, I'm going to pitch it to more magazine. And I said, okay. So I told her my story. Well, I was, there were several other women that were interviewed instead of my story. And so a year or two went by and she 
emailed me and said, have you come out public with your story yet? And I go, not yet. I was never intending on coming out with my story, so I don't know why I said not yet. <laughs> and she said, well, okay, well, this is for a book now, Could I, and we might, you know, you might be in it. And I thought, oh, what? No, what, who's the author? You know, it was one of those <laughs> things. I thought, it's going to be a self-published book, and it'll never see the light of day. Mm-hmm. She said, Marlo Thomas, there was a big pause. I go, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're, the women in the book are, you know, they've, they're in there for so many beautiful, accomplished things. I felt like my story was a little by, bit about what? But to round out, I mean, there are women who went, you know, had such horrible tragedies in their life and, life and then went to medical school and became a doctor or, you know, became, were on food stamps and said they're not going to take it anymore and became a multimillionaire. So, I, you know, I thought my story was kind of like, what? But really, you know, for women in middle age, and men too, you're going to, we're all going to reach a point where we're either going to stay the same, get better, or get worse physically. And so, you know, my story is, you know, I used something uh, to overcome emotional trauma, but it made me better and stronger in all, all ways. Well, and speaking of better and stronger, so I'm, I'm actually looking at some reviews of this book, and of course, they're rave reviews, a lot of good things out there. But one thing that I, I did want to point out from a user, and of course, not to try to put you on the spot, because I, I get this asked of me all the time when someone is interested in reinventing themselves, whether it's in their career or as an entrepreneur, and this particular person had had explained that, you know, the book is nice, but at the same time, it really didn't seem to address her life. And maybe she's not college educated or has a bank account or savings or someone to be as supportive for that reinvention. Now, do you have advice out there for someone who may be in that situation where it's just that they feel like totally down in their luck and they don't have that huge support system or maybe that safety net in play? Oh, man, that's a big one, isn't it? Um, the first thing that came to my mind was pray. <laughs> you know, I think when we become so paralyzed by fear and we don't feel like there's anyone to help us, we cannot see our, we can't see outside of the darkness. And it can be a really horrible place to be in. So um, there are things, people, places that can offer you help for whatever it is that you want to do or become or work on to change, whether it's a support group. um, And every little step leads to another one. So what, you know, I could imagine someone reading that book and seeing the different stories and and seeing them go from zero to, you know, a million dollars or, you know, zero to a medical, no education to become a medical doctor and thinking, well, that's not possible for me. What is it that your heart desires? And just take one step towards that. We don't know the outcome. I didn't know that I would end up remaining a publicist for 11 years or that I would be remain um, wakeboarding for 11 years. Hmm. And so, you know, it could have turned differently at any juncture along the way. 
and that's okay because failure is just never giving up, just doing things diff- a little differently. I couldn't agree with you more. You said everything that I was thinking, and you answered it so eloquently and really to the point. And I think, in my opinion, addressed that issue of that particular uh, reader out there. And so I agree. Don't remain the victim. Don't remain paralyzed by that situation. You've got to break that paralysis. You've got to break out of that. Look outside the darkness because there is light there. There is something beautiful there because you yourself, us as a collective and as individuals, we are beautiful. And so we need to look inwardly, look inside to find that beauty and build on that. Well said, Kevin. That was that Very was great. Well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Mm. Um, I find myself, whenever I find myself um, looking to the wrong source for power, strength, or assistance, I stop and realize that it's, it will come from within and above. And when I put my energy there, I always get the solution. That's beautiful, Diane. Wow, this, this is just nugget after nugget from both you and Kevin in the last few minutes. It's incredible. And, you know, it, I, I know you've been part of this book by Marla Thomas, which is wonderful about women reinventing themselves. But it sounds like, no, it doesn't sound like, I know that you have your own book coming that is going to tell more of your own story. And um, boy, we could just go off on so many tangents here, but I definitely want you to touch base on this book because it sounds so important and I can't wait to read it. So can you tell us a little bit about that book and how it ties into this whole notion of reinvention, self-empowerment, and really making the best of the life that you have on the plate in the moment? Yes, thank you. Well, um, when I read the essay, when the book came out and I read it in the book about me, I, you know, it was 1200 words and I go, Oh, that doesn't even begin to describe what I've gone through. Hmm. And I, it's not that I want people to know what I've gone through, but what I meant, what I really mean is, is that the emotional wounds that I healed to make me stronger every day along the way, what if I could help other people with that? And cause on the surface, my story looks like, Oh, um, you know, from triumph to a dip in the, a little dip and then another triumph. No, it's not, you know, we all have our challenges. So um, I, I decided to write a book and it, we, we're calling it Driving Miss Crazy because my son, when I would taught him how to drive the boat at 13 because I had to have a boat driver. <laughs> so before he could play video games with his friends, he said, come on, we have to go drive Miss Crazy. And I thought, well, what a, what a great role model I'm being, what, having these 14, 13-year-old couch potatoes watch the mom wakeboarding (laughs) and uh, they all got into it as well. So um, that's why it's, that's the name. And then I have a website, diane-dennis.com where people can sign up for newsletters and I'm going to be just, you know, giving some of my heartfelt nuggets of wisdom that I've learned over the years and hopefully invite others to share theirs. Well, I mean, you're talking about even more nuggets than we got on the show today. I mean, there's there's a book out there that's <laughs> chock full of more nuggets. Sounds almost impossible, but we'll we'll believe it because you're such a manifester, my dear. You really oh, are. Thank you. Yeah, it just sounds incredible. I just signed up on your website, diane-dennis.com, to get your latest updates from Driving Miss Crazy. So I look forward to that. And I'll probably end up buying a copy of It Ain't Over Till It's Over for my wife. So, you know, that you've been involved in so many things. So 
you know, before we go, we could talk to you for another hour. So, Kevin, it's pretty clear we have to have Diane back on the show. But having said that, what do you have going on right now? What's what's on your plate, say, for the summer of 2014? What's happening? Well, we're going to dust off the boat and start wakeboarding for the summer. And, you know, I am, my um, as a publicist now, oh, for over 12, 11 years, I've really helped so many people, and I just love it. And I get better every day at finding ways to get people attention for their good works. And I'm so lucky that I am now attracting in, you know, I do work on manifesting. I think that's, I think we all have that talent and gift, but we hide it because we don't even know it's there. Um, working on with people who are empowering and inspirational so I can help others learn about their great works. And then that helps everybody. I just wanted to let the audience know that because we have talked about so many fine nuggets here and we're going to have so much more, we did want to let everybody know, I know that you're listening to this show, but pretty much from every platform that you're on, you should be able to click on Diane's platforms at Diane-Dennis.com. And then, of course, she's also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Diane Dennis Inspired Media. And, of course, at Diane underscore Dennis on Twitter. And of course, all of that information will be within the podcast and you can click right there from the app or from wherever you're listening from. Very well, good. good. Thank you so much. Great, Kevin. And Diane, you know, if you ever want to write a blog post for our blog about anything you're up to or about the book that's coming out or anything you want to share with our community, we would always welcome that. We'll be creating a page for you on our website at rnfmradio.com over the next month or so. So there'll be a page up there with all your information and this recording embedded in it so you can share that with other people. And it sounds like we're definitely going to have to have you back on once your book is out, once Kevin and I have read it and reviewed it and told people about it. And we can have you back and have part two of this conversation. Very good. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you guys are in my tribe now. Oh, good. Well, we'll be coming to Portland to see you too. And Kevin might wakeboard with you, but I think I'll just be watching from the shore. Right, Kev? No worries. No, I'm happy to be in the crazy tribe. So you can, you know, drive Miss Miss and Mr. Crazy uh, out good. there wakeboarding. Right. So, and I'll, I've that's you just gave me an idea. Now my oldest uh, Flynn, I'm gonna be teaching him how to drive. Uh, first, I got to go out and get a boat. Yeah, there you and go. I'm gonna teach him how to drive it so that I can wakeboard. I so, can be driving Mr. Advice. Crazy. We'll start a club. All right, that sounds good. Love that club. Well, Diane Dennis, thank you so much. It's been an honor and a privilege and a pleasure, and we will have you back without a doubt. Great. Thank you so much. It's been a wonderful experience. Great. Y'all, you take care now. Best to you guys. Bye. Okay, bye. Kevin, that was just an absolutely amazing conversation. I think it just go it it goes without saying in the sense that we don't know sometimes what we're getting into. I mean, I think we know. We pre-screen our guests and of course we go through uh, various emails and communication prior to the show, but what a conversation and literally a conversation this was, I think, authentic and sincere. I think that we have that quite often here, but it was just a wonderful organic conversation that uh, about reinvention. And I think that Diane did have some very valuable information for our audience out there. And I hope, I would love to get some feedback from the listeners. Let us know what you think of this show and what you're doing as part of your reinvention in whether it's midlife or any part of your life. That's true. You know, a lot of the clients who come to me for coaching are actually new nurses. Either they're 
midlife or, you know, older quote unquote nurses who are entering nursing as a second, third or fourth career perhaps. And then a lot of the nurses who come to me as clients are also new nurses and who are young, maybe in their early twenties or mid twenties. So anytime you take on something new, you are reinventing yourself. If you enter nursing at 21 years old, you're reinventing yourself. You're entering a new profession. You're navigating waters that are brand new to you. You're trying to figure out how to do it, how to get your sea legs. If you become a nurse at 55, same thing. Diane at midlife, she decided that she was going to leave nursing and do something new. She reinvented herself. So it, it happens at any point in anyone's life. I've known people who reinvent themselves in their seventies and eighties. So I hope to be able to do that when I'm in my 70s or 80s. And Kev, I assume that you'll be reinventing yourself consistently throughout your life. Well, I, I, and I think I do. And, you know, we often talk about, you're right, Keith, we talk about midlife as the place where a lot of people do reinvent themselves. But I think that's an ongoing process in our lives. I think that Diane really just embraced or used midlife as a term to say, well, this is where I am in my life, chronologically speaking, but it didn't define her in the sense of putting her in the box saying, well, I can't do that because of the age that I am. She's wakeboarding right. for Pete's sake. Right. Exactly. I mean, exactly. that typically is something that you would see, you know, the younger kiddos doing, teenagers and the 20-somethings. Mm -hmm. And so I, I mean, we didn't even dive into the depths of all the wakeboarding that she's been doing. But again, she didn't let that define her as something to say, well, I can't do it because I'm, I've, I'm aged out. And I think right. a lot of people do that. Right. And, you know, when she mentioned wakeboarding at first, I didn't even know what it was. But then when I looked at the Diane-Dennis.com, uh, I saw that wakeboarding is, it's like water skiing, but you're actually on a single board and you're behind a motorboat, correct? Well, yeah, consider it like you're attached to a a little bit bigger of a snowboard, fatter than a snowboard, and somebody's, yeah, literally like a, a, pull, a, like a ski toe or a rope toe, you're hanging onto it, and you're literally being pulled by this uh, pretty powerful boat, and you're just hitting the wake and the waves, and you're, now I don't know if she's doing like flips and jumps and all those things, but I just give her kudos for just getting out there on a wakeboard. It's not easy. Well, knowing Diane, the little we know of her right now, she's probably doing flips and jumps and she's um, going over ramps and, you know, who, who knows what she's doing. So she's done a lot in her life and I have no doubt that she's mastering this technique as well. Well, and I just think, you know, Keith, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, is that, again, going back to that definition of don't let that, don't place those obstacles in front of yourself. I mean, we already have enough as it is. We already have enough hurdles in life. So again, don't age yourself out. If you were able-bodied enough to do something that you're interested in, then get in the game because you're in, like, this is the game we're living it. We get so many revolutions around this earth. So take advantage. That's true. That's so true, Kevin. And, you know, speaking of taking advantage, take advantage of everything that's going up on rnfmradio.com. Kevin has been busily building pages for all of our guests. We're kind of working backwards chronologically. So there's now a page for many of our recent guests. Their shows are embedded on those pages, their bios, their photos, some quotes, information about them, how to reach them. So there's a lot going on over there. And also... We have a lot of live Google Hangouts coming up over the next several months. And Kev, I'm just going to mention a few of them. Actually, on 
April 30th, we have Cynthia Phelps. She is a self-compassion evangelist and mobile app developer. On May 7th, Kevin and I are going to be here hanging out, celebrating Nurses Week. We might not even have a guest. We might just, you know, be our own guests and talk about nurses and nursing and just have a celebration. On the 28th of May, we have Gail Ingram. She is a Manhattan-based concierge nurse, and she'll be talking about being a concierge private nurse to the rich and famous of New York City. That should be really fun. And there's so much more coming up. And of course, like today's show, you're listening to it archived. We have a lot of pre-recorded podcasts that will be going up on our site and on social media as they're rendered and treated by Kevin in his studio up there in Boulder. But tune in for these live shows. There's many scheduled for April, May, June, July, and beyond. So there's lots coming your way and there's so much to take advantage of. And we love our community and our guests, Kevin, and I just can't wait for what's going to happen over the summer. Well, as always, we're just going to rock it over the summer. That's just the deal. That's right. So again, we're hanging out on the bounding pulse of nursing that is here. And, you know, as always, you know, Keith, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you today. Diane, what a pleasure. All of our listeners out there, we hope that you in some way have felt uplifted, motivated, and ready for something that moves a needle for you. If you're able-bodied enough and interested, get out there and start wakeboarding, drive Miss Crazy or Mr. Crazy. Uh, whatever that is, or whoever you are, rather. Innovate and create. Find passion in your life and your career each and every day. Care for yourself while caring for others. And we look forward to having you back here with us again on RNFM Radio. 